0: Thank you for joining us at Sacred at Work. This podcast is designed to give voice to the feelings and desires so many of us are having at this extraordinarily transformational moment on the planet. Join us in this exploration and sacred journey of uncovering our truest selves, whether in business or in life, because after all, Sacred is always at work.
1: We are two colleagues, businesswomen, mothers, entrepreneurs, and seekers.
0: And hi, I'm Pam Chalou. I'm from Oakland, California, and I am the founder of Practical Feed Advisors. I help kick ass female visionaries tune into their intuition, trust themselves more fully and take inspired action to change the world.
1: And I'm Hilary Sampson. I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. I'm the owner of Transforming Ventures and I support entrepreneurs to connect and work with the soul of their business. Hi, Pam.
0: Hi, Hillary. So excited.
1: Uh, we, we picked a tricky topic today. <laughs> it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, so today we are talking about how we experience indignation and how we find the sacred as we're looking for the sacred everywhere at work. Where is the sacred at work in indignation?
0: where indeed <laughs> <laughs> so
1: the reason that we came up with this topic is because it's just become so present in both of our lives as we're talking uh, every week and communicating it is so up in the world um with our times the the coronavirus political divisions, personal stakes in the ground. I'm really thinking of it as a pandemic of indignation. Every time you turn on the radio, watch TV, watch a video clip, there it is in your face. Uh, to start with, uh, I looked up some definitions of indignation and and um, just to, to center us. The one that landed for me was Indignation is an emotion of anger or annoyance provoked by what is perceived as unfair treatment. That's unfair. Mm. Um, The other reason that this is tricky to discuss today and to dive into is despite the fact that I am looking to clear indignation, I am looking to have less suffering in my life and more love in my life. I feel indignation all the time, (laughs) every day. And more and more, I'm noticing that my indignation or when I act on the indignation, it is screwing me up royally. So that's where we are. I I call this an emerging topic as uh, we're really in the pit of trying to figure it out. We're in the arena of figuring out as we go Mm -hmm. and are looking forward to sharing this with all the listeners and and how their indignation is showing up but to start with tell me pam how is it being expressed in your world
0: well lucky luckily for me it never shows up (laughs) (laughs) we're done we're done we're done thanks for listening um you know honestly it's very tricky and i'm finding myself anytime i delve into a topic or an exploration of something that I don't fully isn't fully baked, I uh, find myself uh, getting a little discombobulated by it. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have been in this deep inquiry about the differences and the distinction for me between indignation and self-righteousness and that behavior, because the self-righteous behavior. Uh, that I've exhibited in my life has wreaked havoc all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, And partly I think of that because, you know, I think of myself as a fair and equitable person. And I've had to reflect upon and come to a better understanding that if fair means treating people equally without favoritism or discrimination, when I choose to have chosen to trust only my understanding and or take a stand for what I think is right, then it reeks of self-righteous behavior because I've created the terms and only I have. And I have to constantly check myself on that distinction. And I often ask myself, what am I gaining from the indignation? Because clearly I can feel it. And I know that a part of me thinks I'm gaining a lot because it keeps reoccurring and as a, you know, I say this lightly, but as a recovering Catholic, I have all kinds of mixed feelings from the teachings in the Bible that I learned as a child. They clearly state that righteous anger, indignation, is considered the only form of anger which is not sinful. I mean, it's a full permission slip, and it doesn't feel right to me that it is full permission slip, uh, and yet all I know is that what needs to be done is that this needs to be cleared. The indignation, the self-righteousness, the the response to the anger needs to be cleared for me to be um, reconnected. It's a juicy and evolving topic, as you said. It's emerging, and uh, I think more the more we talk about it, the more it will become clearer, uh, and hopefully, you know, we'll become experts. <laughs> 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 we'll have all the answers. All the answers. Excellent. <laughs> How is it? How is it? How has this indignation affected your life, Hillary? Well, like I say, uh,
1: and thank you for bringing that distinction between indignation and self righteousness. Indignation being more the emotion and self-righteousness moving into the behavior or the or the reaction to that emotion mm-hmm. and then I think of anger as something else again which I'll dive into a little bit more. But yes, my relationship with indignation. So as with all emotions, I'm sure somewhere along the line, this served me well, whether as an individual or as a human being on this planet, it it must have protected me. It must have, there's always a reason that these things come out. But how indignation has shown up for many years in my life was almost like an addiction, you know, you feel you feel that indignation, how I'm right and they're wrong. And you get this hit. You get this deep hit. And it's very, like, this juicy emotion that just fills you up. And like an addiction, after it goes, it's kind of exhausting. Like, you really do suffer from it. And what I was noticing is that indignation itself, it has no forward momentum. It festers. It just circles in on itself inside yourself or you know you might find a another person who has the same indignation and you can fester together and kind of ramp it up together and it just has no place in my life like it is truly just a source of suffering now that being said sacred is always at work <laughs> so what is this indignation helping us try to do what is it pointing to I think one of the things, I think there's a few things, but one of the things is seeing ourselves. So for example, there's a beautiful teacher called Katie Byron that, that expresses this so perfectly. If you are feeling that someone is being unfair to you, it's a perfect opportunity to say, where am I being unfair? Mm-hmm. If, you, if someone in your life is being narcissistic, where am I being narcissistic? Mm-hmm. And that is a true sacred opportunity and an invitation to look at what I'm seeing out in the world is an expression and an extension of what I'm looking to heal in my, my own life. Mm-hmm. And what that does, even just that little act, is it starts to transition indignation, which is rooted in fear, into love, that transition from fear to understanding and faith.
0: Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. And it also points back to with the example you gave that uh, the real work is always our own work to do, right? Uh So we always have to, when we point our finger out, it's just pointing the fingers back to us of the work that needs to be done. You know, to build upon what you just said, I believe fundamentally that when we act from fear in any situation, that that is a full disconnection from our power, from from the source and our knowing. And it doesn't serve anyone, especially ourselves, because when we're disconnected, we can't act from a place that is a, a place of love and a place of usefulness. In fact, what I often see with my clients who are stuck in the loop, as you mentioned, of indignation, as we explore that more deeply, the source of the indication always, always shows up as a younger part of themselves. Mm-hmm. The little person inside who feels that he or she has been mistreated or simply has to stand up for something as they perceive it as not fair or unjust. And the the, the important part about that is that it's the little ch- kid who perceives it, not the adult but we're often put in the situation where the our younger selves are driving the bus, right? And how that shows up is as an adult, we'll dig our heels in more deeply and fight against the injustice, stand with rage. We can feel it. You mentioned the, you know, the, the feeling you get of the indignation. Our body temperatures can rise, our ability to think clearly totally diminishes and goes out the window. And sometimes there's even like this growl in the pit of our stomach that, you know, I can actually sometimes feel move up into my throat and um, wants to just wants to growl, you know, get it out there. I'm so angry. And always that's a clear indication that indignation is at play. And for me personally, it's a bit nuanced in my day-to-day reality. And it's been a lifelong journey to realize the importance that I've put on the fundamental belief that fighting for something versus against something. And that, you know, the righteousness and the indignation in that of fighting against, you know, that gives you that juice that you were talking about before when i'm conscious and present and p- really present i can act from this place of fighting for something i believe in and that in my opinion is fighting with uh, love and versus, i love that yeah it, it's it's taken a long time to to really drill down on that but you know when you when you are acting as i like to often say the mama bear who so fiercely loves her cubs and will fight and do whatever is necessary to protect them. That's different than fighting against a system, fighting against the injustice, because when that against peace shows up, all that represents is separation and disconnection. And ultimately, I believe it's our jobs to always return to connection and to love. And I know that that is, you know, that's something that is much easier said than done.
1: Totally. I, I, you know, that reminds me of, you know, activists like Greta Thunberg, for example, Mm -hmm. right? I'm sure her initial emotion about the state of the world was Mm -hmm. indignation and fear. And she was able to transition that as our people who are effective activists Mm -hmm. into as I was saying anger can have some forward positive emotion indignation festers it circles anger can have momentum forward not not always of course uh, to anger and then determination mm-hmm. so you can see you're sort of you're sort of rising on the emotional hierarchy scale to right. to what is to moving towards love away from fear yeah. and that kind of movement along that uh, emotional scale is so, is so important. And then you can create space for connection, create space for love. And, and as you say, which I, which I totally think is perfect. You can start to um, express what you are for instead of what you are against. You can, as Bre- as Hay-Brown says, you can start, you can enter the arena and, right. and fight for what you fight for what you believe.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And it's been, you know, I'd love that you use Greta as an example, because, you know, for me, I have always been uncomfortable with when someone calls me an activist. And of course I am, like I, I am about uh, creating justice and equity and, and conditions for, um, for all people, however, um, and, and I have friends who are some of the most impactful and effective activists on the planet, but I didn't understand that distinction until recently. So I can you know, stand in the truth that I am an activist and that I fight for mm-hmm. uh, with much more uh, ease and grace because uh, it is a forward movement uh, and it is based in love.
1: Oh, beautiful. Yeah, you are, you are a powerful activist. I, I love that that's where your journey has taken you.
0: <laughs> it's, been a, it's taken a few years, believe me. For <laughs> <laughs> sure. So I know that you do this work um, with the soul of the business. And I'm curious how that shows up uh, for you in, in that work
1: very often, um, you know, to cut the chase, your soul of your business does not need your indignation. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) So what does that mean? That means that in order to best serve the business so that it can best serve you and its purpose, we need to clear that as as individuals. Mm -hmm. And work is this incredibly fertile playing ground for indignation. We feel indignation about our Co workers, our bosses, our customers, our competitors, these can all bring up that feeling of unfairness, or you're not doing it the way I would do it, or you've stolen my idea, or whatever, whatever indignation rises for you. So, again, it's identifying where you are feeling stuck and where and how you can move to flow, where you can where you're sitting in fear and disconnection and how you can flow towards connection. So for example, if you uh, have a complaining customer and you're feeling like they're completely unfair as to what they're saying about you and your beautiful work and your beautiful product or service, that is coming from indignation. So how do you transition that to flow and to love? You feel the connection where do i have a common ground with this customer what is this customer pointing to that is true what where in that indignation that i'm feeling is the truth that will serve me and my work and the soul of the business mm-hmm. because work as with everything else is about relationships it every every moment is a sacred moment to have a relationship with the person standing right in front of you right even if they're not someone that uh, you naturally feel a lot of love towards, mm-hmm. they, they are always, always there standing in front of you to teach you and help you and help you shift towards connection.
0: Yeah, it's, it's such a powerful, powerful reminder. You know, I have a friend who's a CEO of a, of a business and she has uh, recently told me a story how they relaunched their website and they have a a bot on the homepage to help people, and it's actually manned by the owner. So questions will come in, and everyone thinks it's an AI, you know, just answering the asking the question, and so they're rude. So they're say, they'll say something like, you know, hey, can I help you? And the and the person will respond with like, you know, no, you you're stupid, or like some kind of um, bad uh, bad remark. And this, my friend actually says, hey, I'm a real life person here. And no one actually believes her. And It takes a couple of rounds. But the slamming and the disconnection that the person shows up in the story with about, oh, this product wasn't good, or I have something bad to say, once they find a connection, and the person feels like they've been heard, that they are actually being tended to, and that they actually are connected to someone, the indignation totally dissipates. And that's the
1: sacred in it, because it's the contrast between the indignation. It's it's that arc of shifting from the indignation to love that is the teacher.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is what's sacred about that moment. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. Perfect example. Yeah. So you mentioned there's some uh, physical ways that we can experience the rise of indignation of, in our bodies. We're talking about that, about the feeling and the festering, and uh, I know you've thought a lot about this. Uh, can you give me and everybody listening uh, some tips on what we can do when that
0: happens? Sure. You know, uh, in this lifetime, we get to be human and we get to have an ego. So for sure. This means this is going to happen over and over and over again. <laughs> so inevitably, when it does occur, there are a couple of things I'd invite our listeners and and, and me <laughs> to, to remember and to consider and the following practices. And the first thing is when you feel that body temperature rise or that guttural um uh, feeling in your stomach, um, the, the indications that the indignation is alive and well, I just ask you to take a moment and try to center yourself and take some deep breaths. The breath alone and reconnecting to yourself will help to create the conditions for the indignation to slowly dissipate. It's not going to go away immediately, but it will help you to re-regulate the second thing I always recommend, and it's such a powerful tool, is to do some writing about it. So if there is a moment when the indignation is alive, I will sit down and I'll ask the following questions. The first question I ask is, who's driving this anger and this indignation? Who's driving the bus? Is it, is it you, Pam, as the adult, or is it your 14-year-old? Now, my 14 year old does not want to hear that question because she just wants to stand in that indignation and be right. But just by asking the question, it reminds me that I am the adult and that I am in charge and I'm driving the bus. The next question I will write and on is what purpose is this indignation serving? Is it feeding my ego? Is it making me feel better than someone else? Is it giving me uh, a false sense of superiority? What is the purpose of the indignation? And being in that exploration will help to remind me that, in fact, it does not serve. And then the third thing I ask in writing is, am I taking this action from a place of love or a place of fear? Now, I can guarantee you 100% of the time, the first response that I have when writing is like, of course, it's from love, (laughs) because (laughs) that's where I want to, you know, that, that, that plays right into the indignation. But as I drill down further, I recognize always the root cause of the indignation is fear. And so when I name it, when I can get to the place of being able to name what the fear is, it dissipates. And so in this practice, I want to invite you to be honest with your answers and to be gentle with yourself because we are so, we are our worst enemies and we're so self-critical and have so much judgment of the fact that we are actually even sitting in this indignation. And I want you to trust that just by asking these questions and giving the anger and the indignation a voice and a platform to express it. That you're already helping to shift. And finally, I would say make friends with the indignation and know that it has a lesson to teach you. We don't wanna lose the action that is inspired from the anger, as you see that distinction that you made, but rather we wanna ha- make sure that it is pointed in the right direction and it's stemming from that right source, that source of love.
1: Mm, beautiful. <clears throat>
0: How about you? What tools do you want to share? It's actually very, uh, it's, it's sort of just a, a
1: slight deeper dive on one of the points uh, that you made. So uh, as you know, I host the Magdalene Women's Temple, and I often type a question in chat to, to ask Mary Magdalene through Laurieann. And I took indignation to the Women's Temple because it was really up for me uh, uh, last Sunday. And the wisdom that came through was what you were saying, dear ones, as she always says, dear ones, indignation is a child's emotion. And it's not, you know, not the energy of like grow up or you're being immature. It's not that at all. It's that inner child, that little 14-year-old that you're talking about, Pam, you know, this isn't fair. You need to think things the same way I do. If you don't think like me, you're wrong and I'm right. The name-calling that we do in our minds, right? That person's uninformed or ignorant or stupid. These are phrases of a child. And so what we need to do is understand our relationship with indignation. You know, see it from above. What is that relationship with indignation? And what is that relationship with the child to help that grip that indignation has over us let go? And so there's sort of the three steps that uh, I'm learning to address when I want to shift that kind of emotion is start with compassion. Start with compassion. There There is so much going on in our lives. Our worlds do feel unfair. Of course, that little child thinks she's getting kicked around because it feels like that a lot in this time-space reality. So loads of compassion. The second is acknowledgement. When my daughter was growing up, this was like the magic tool. I hear you. I see you. I hear that you are feeling like the world is unfair. I feel that. I feel that in you. And the third is to let that little child who's holding that indignation know that I've got this, you know, tapping into your higher self, giving them a hug, just knowing that you can take this indignant little child and say, I have got this, I will take it from here, you can rest. And then that creates all kinds of like, as I was saying before, now you've got all kinds of space. see what's really going on what actions do you want to take so that's my tip and tool
0: for today well that was gnarly wasn't it Hillary I mean (laughs) there's so much in there um you know my conditioning to be a nice girl and not to express anger or indignation got all jumbled up and you know even just talking about this topic I can feel lots of emotion so clearly there's more to do on it Um, it's quite a journey and exploration isn't it sure
1: is yes thank you for diving in uh, with me I have no doubt we will circle back to this uh, again and again
0: this could go on for hours and hours, no doubt. And I know that I'm right about that because there's no indignation there. (laughs) Um, So as we close, Hillary is speaking to you from the traditional and unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam and Tsleil-Waututh nations. And I am sitting in the unceded territory and lands of the Ohlone people in oakland california you can find me at practicalfeet.com and hillary at transformingventures.com if you have any questions or comments or issues you'd like us to address in the future episodes please email us at hello at sacred at work.com if you'd like to support the production and distribution of this podcast please consider contributing through patreon at patreon.com slash sacred at work Our podcast is produced by Collins Mina. Our beautiful opening and closing music is composed and performed by Lorianne Speed. Sacred at Work is released twice per month, and we look forward to connecting with you next time. With so much love and little indignation. We'll see you next time.